Computing Broadcast a fascinating round in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello, and welcome to the show. This week's episode is about a phenomenon that I'm always on the fringes of, but I've never dove into the deep end of the pool. And of course, I'm talking about tattoos. For some reason, I have always loved tattoos. I've been intrigued by them. Uh, I find them to be magnificent pieces of personal art. Tatooine is my favorite Star Wars planet. However, I don't have any. Uh, I don't know why I, I've kind of flocked to them. Uh, you know, growing up, you know, came from a family of four and so there's everyone kind of has their role kind of like a boy band you know everyone has their role so I was of course the smart one and the cute one and the sexy one and the athletic one and of course the funny one but my brother was always the cool one and that is because well he didn't always have tattoos but but his metamorphosis into an adult um, he has lots of really cool tattoos, drove a really cool Harley Davidson motorcycle, probably one of the coolest I've ever seen, and I'm not a big motorcycle guy. So, of course, he's kind of got that whole thing going on for him. So that's kind of where I stand with tattoos. Uh, I've always loved the idea. I remember watching the show called The Dresden Files and reading the comic book, and uh, one of the guys on there, this magician, um, Dresden, uh, of course, his first name escapes me, but uh, he always had these kind of sigils, these symbols of protection all over his body, and I always thought that was pretty cool. always wanted that to kind of give you that bad boy look, which I just cannot pull off. However, where am I going with all this rambling? Well, this week I'm talking with Lisa Beretta, who wrote a book called Conscious Ink, The Hidden Meaning of Tattoos, and she really breaks down tattoos uh, from a very mystical standpoint. It kind of changes your paradigm on whether they're, on, on really what a tattoo is, what it means, what it can mean, what it can do. Uh, just fascinating stuff. Lisa, thank you for being on the program today. How did you get into tattoos? This seems like a very specific region to specialize in, although it is very complex as your book lays out. Yeah, it was interesting the way that came about. I was always fascinated in the meaning behind birthmarks because I myself had a small birthmark on my back. And when I came across some writings by the deceased Dr. Ian Stevenson, who did extensive research on how birthmarks are a sign of a past life, you know, you can link it into some type of trauma and it's realized through the physical body in this incarnation. So I wrote a blog a couple years ago and I had a tremendous response to that blog. And I I think I ended it with, what about tattoos? Could they be spiritual birthmarks? Because we're choosing to scar our body. Mm-hmm. So I started to dig and dig and dig a little bit. And at that time, I had one tiny tattoo on the back of my neck, which I just got because I liked it. I had no idea when I got that some 15, 18 years ago that it would have a deeper meaning. Right. I started to research it. And tat- tattooing in itself is rooted in shamanism mysticism, and there's a certain magic to tattoos that actually will connect you into your consciousness when you really, really understand the true meaning of of this ritual. It's a blood ritual, which in itself is, you know, kind of deep, right? When yeah, you think definitely. about a blood ritual, blood, chi, our life force, mm-hmm. and that usually attracts the spirit energy, you know, from the, the other dimensions. And then I started to interview different tattooists, and uh, wow, I was blown away. They're not the stereotypical biker, um, heavy metal type of persona that we usually, you know, associate with tattooing. They may look that way, but they are really into the shamanism, the aspect of, of their art, the creative aspect of their art. They make connections with the people who they're creating for, and I find that 99.9% of them do not want to do flash art. When you go into the shop and you see the 
the usual pictures on the wall, the ones that everybody comes and said, I'll take number 12, number 13. Right, yeah. They didn't really like to do that. Yeah, they want it to be a whole creative, deep process, and they connect in with you. So I wonder why they offer some of it, because it's almost like going into like a fast food restaurant when you can like pick something off the wall. I mean, do they just offer that for people who don't have an idea? Probably. They'll go in and someone may say, uh, give me the infinity sign. And then the tattooist will usually sit down and then they'll, they'll, they'll talk to their client and they'll say, well, let's make it more personal for you. Maybe they'll add something to it. Could be certain colors or maybe intertwine that infinity design with some other type mm. of symbolism. Mm -hmm. But tattooing is all about symbolism. And right. that is a whole other realm, too, <laughs> well, because it, we know like how that is so influential on us. You, you're exactly right. You know, it's interesting because I just did uh, an interview with with um, a cult scholar, Mitch Horowitz. We talked about tattoos. I've always had an incredible uh, kind of fascination with tattoos. And what's interesting is his whole concept. He's very into symbology. And I asked him about, about um, like, if I wanted to lay a blueprint out on my body because I'm a clean canvas, Lisa. Oh, wow. We so, need a tattoo on you. So, so, <laughs> so clean canvas. But I've always had this kind of fascination with um, kind of like decorating. I want to come with like a blueprint and then execute that blueprint. So we're going to talk about that. You're going to help me with that, hopefully, as okay. we talk about this. I like that. But what's interesting about Mitch is he kind of was of the mind that, oh, if we, you know, just pick a symbol, they're all great, you know. And that's one aspect. You know, that's one end of the spectrum. And after reading your book, Conscious Inc., uh, which is I-N-K, not I-N-C. You're not a corporate shill, Lisa. This is right. Conscious Inc. <laughs> um, what I realized is that there's a lot that goes into this, and you're on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, which basically every nuance of a tattoo is important, which I just found absolutely fascinating. Uh, so, so hopefully you're going to help me out with that. But what I want to start out with is kind of talking about your pedigree because you're talking about all the mystical side of all this. It takes kind of a mystic, someone who understands this, and you – are a member of some pretty fascinating organizations. Uh, so you are part of the American Federation of Astrologers, an organization right. I didn't know existed, but that sounds pretty <laughs> official, and the National Council for Geocosmic Research. Uh, those are just two of the things you're, you're involved with. What are those organizations, and can anyone become a member, or are they secret societies? No, you, you can become a member. And uh, as a matter of fact, last night I listened to a fascinating webinar from one of the organizations about the planet Uranus going into Taurus and how it's mm -hmm. going to really shift everything for us. And when you come right down to astrology at its inception way back in the Babylonian era, it was used for, you know, for information to decipher, uh, you know, things that went on with your health, political things. It, and what happened is it became so commercial, I guess, after you know, we had this big religious type of uprising and then the astrology for what it really was meant to be was kind of put on the shelf and it was watered down into being your daily horoscope in your inbox. Astrology is so much more than that because every planet will relate to a, a certain part of the body. The astrology signs rule certain parts of the body. Um, they rule different, they rule different temperaments that go on politically. It's very deep. And when you get right into it, it is a very mystical art that if you really know how to use this modality, it goes beyond just prediction and your horoscope. It gives you a lot of information. And that, I think, happened with tattooing. At its roots, it was very shamanistic, mm -hmm. very mystical, uh, a, a means for self-empowering, but not where you can have control over other people, but more how you get to know yourself. It's your own journey. Mm -hmm. But what happened... Throughout time, it was, you know, shunned upon. They thought only hoodlums had tattoos or right. only uh, sailors in World War II, and it became part of a subculture. <laughs> Very specific. And, <laughs> exactly. Hoodlums and, in World and War II. Now I, uh, exactly. They all came back with the anchor um, right. from Sailor Jerry in the South Pacific. Uh -huh. But what happened now, it's, the millennials had made it more mainstream where they're, they're there. They're kind of getting it back to what it's meant to be because... There is a new form of tattooing, which people in the tattooing community, they call it tattoo medicine, where mm. they'll actually sit with a client. They'll talk to them. Sometimes it involves a mini shamanic journey, which I mentioned specifically in chapter three of my book. I go into some tattooists to do this. Um, it's a whole process. And then intuitively, 
a symbol or a sigil or whatever, you know, comes up with at that time is intuitively placed on your body. Mm-hmm. And so many people have had these, wow, epiphany moments from embodying the symbol. And that's the important part. Mm-hmm. You're embodying the symbol. Right. Not like carrying around a lucky charm or wearing your good luck medal. You're wearing the symbol and it starts to resonate with your body because no matter where you get tattooed on your body, it's going to be near some main chakra, a main meridian. And our body has so many chakras, more than just the, the seven that we recognize as the main ones. They're all over your hands and your feet. So these centers pull in energy, give out energy. The meridians, they relate to, you know, different aspects of the physical body. Also, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental. So when you really look at it, wow, this is kind of a cool shamanic art that really should be approached with the right mindset in order to get the most out of this, you know, very ancient way of self-expression, self-empowerment, and even a little bit of magic. Well, you know, it's interesting because there are tons of terrible tattoos, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Um, but but I like I like this paradigm that you've created where it's everything is important, where it's placed, the, the symbol itself, the color, um, you know, how it interacts with your body's energy. I think this is really important. But I want to talk about you just for a little bit longer because people are wondering, why should I listen to this lady? Well, <laughs> um, there's a couple reasons why. First of all, you actually studied fashion and graphic design. Right when you were yes. uh, in school, so did that have kind of an effect? I mean, have you always had kind of this like symbol, symbol, graphic mindset? You know, when you when you're doing that kind of thing. Oh my gosh! When I I started to draw at a very young age. When I was three, I would draw these elaborate pictures, and I would actually see myself in these different scenes, and and they were relating to different time frames in history, which I knew nothing about until years later when I was 21. I had a past life reading, and then when you wow, you rewind it. It's like, oh my God, no wonder I was drawing these things. So I I feel that intuitively something also came back, I guess you could say to conscious memory from prior incarnations. I do believe we have had prior incarnations. I don't think this is just it. And symbolism, art, and of course with graphic design, fashion illustration, you know, when you look at a logo, it tells you so much about a, a company. And these are thought out, you know, the think tank that comes up with logos, they look at the colors that they're going to use, Mm -hmm. the shapes they're going to use. And, you know, what is really hidden inside this logo that's going to inspire somebody to either want to go into a store or form some type of an opinion, it's going to resonate. So there's a lot of research. So there is so much power in symbols, but basically our alphabet is made up of symbols. Mm -hmm. If you just take one letter by itself, it's the letter, but if you start to place it with other letters, it becomes a word. The same thing with pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, pictures can tell, uh, what do they say, pictures are are worth more than a thousand words. Something like that, yeah, right around a thousand. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's really interesting because um, you also mentioned in a couple places that you got your first tarot card deck when you were 14. And I think it's important because that as a tool is all image-based. And so you're getting Absolutely. a picture and you're kind of picking out the symbols and intuitively connecting it, how it relates to the person that you're reading for. And so I think it kind of takes a very image-centered mind to be able to kind of grasp all this stuff because I think there's a lot to it. Yeah, and you know what? That can bring us back to you know when we're more babies, when we're children and we have not yet learned to read. We make a lot of associations just for with symbols. You know, we play with the ball. We know it's round. Uh, then we start to relate things, you know, as we get older, then we understand the word that goes deeper and deeper. The same thing with the tattooing process, the symbol, even the colors, because even when I was in art school, there's a whole psychology behind colors. And then from just my studies in the metaphysical realm, colors have a vibration and these vibrations will entrain with our own vibration so it's it's when you really sit down and you want to get a tattoo you should really think think about it like what colors resonate with your own energy field um sometimes if you're say a person who's not very energetic but you want to like feel more energy maybe you're going to be inclined to hey maybe get a little bit more red in my tattoo or or get an, an orange color in my tattoo something that might incite the energy but then again, yeah, it works both ways. That's why you have to do conscious inking, because if you're an aggressive type of person and you get too much red, you might also like overdo it. So it's about finding the balance, finding the right tattooist 
the right shop, the right symbol. And when you approach it that way, you make it a very personal experience. And really, like I said, it can do a lot for you when you take it back to its its true roots about crossing a threshold, about um, connecting in with yourself and possibly even connecting into other realms. Well, I like, even if, even if people listening don't buy into the mystical aspect of this, I, I do like the idea that if you start doing things with intention um, and with a purpose, you're going to have a more unique tattoo. Let's say you're into that and you're going to have a better experience. And, and I think that those are important because that is an aspect of, of, the, of this entire process. And there's a couple of the cool things that you mentioned that are really important. The main attributes, let's say, which are intention, emotion, the symbol, and the color. Uh, and I imagine placement on the body probably goes in there too. Oh, definitely. And, and you kind of mentioned that these can, when you resonate with them, these have actually helped people with lucid dreaming, astral travel, psychic ability. Uh, how, how does all that work? How, how can you, how can that, how, how can you, A, how can you measure it? And B, how can you make that a reality? Well, you know, until I started to talk to these different tattooists and people who actually do this, these artists, I had no idea. This was an education along the way. Hmm. One tattooist that I, I mention a lot in the book is Damon Rowanchild, who to me is a mystic slash tattooist. He's an artist. And he has a way of just connecting with his clients. And also, I think it's chapter three. There's this, a story in particular about he placed a symbol on a woman who had had um, breast surgery for cancer. Mm -hmm. And she just wanted the tattoo to to sort of, you know, go over the scar and add some beauty back into her body. And before that, she had always had a dull ache or a pain in that area. But the getting the tattoo was not for the purpose of healing that area. But because of the way Damon approached the whole tattooing process and led her into it. Now, this woman is in the scientific slash medical field, so hmm. doesn't really buy into this. But she said after that symbol was placed there, she actually had um, the vision of seeing this black sinewy smoke leaving that part of her body and the pain was gone. So being a Reiki practitioner, that tells me she was probably holding a lot of emotional energy there and the tattooing process of, you know, the needles going in and out and Damon uses a tapping method, most likely moved that energy along, which is when you come down to it, acupuncture, that's what it is. These right. needles are placed in and what it is meant to do is to move any energy blocks. And these energy blocks are basically stored emotions that our body is holding. So a lot of people get a pain somewhere in their, in their back and they think they pulled their back. A lot of times it's because they feel they're carrying a lot of burdens in their life. They have a lot on their mind and it like centers right there, mm -hmm. right on their shoulders. And to move that energy away actually is a way of like self-healing yourself. Mm -hmm. And pain is the pathway, they say, to awakening. So, you know, even the, the pain that you feel during the process of getting a tattoo, although I didn't feel it as intently as some people said they do, that pain is also a gift in that it helps you recognize the release of any stored emotional energy. Pain is a gift. Well, I mean, I imagine that if you stub your toe, that's not really the release of spiritual energy. So I imagine just getting stabbed with a needle doesn't always mean that is what I'm saying. Well, if... Well, if you go around with my crowd, we would tell you you stubbed your toe uh -huh. <laughs> because there's something. Sit down and think about it. You don't want to move forward with something in your life because we go into the whole thing. You know, my my friends are are the I guess you'd say the weird people, right? I would. <laughs> the that's, fringe that, that's, people. That's the technique. It's like okay, you stubbed your toe. We're not going to say you're clumsy or you moved your furniture and forgot you moved it there. Right. We're going Occam's to, razor. We don't, you guys don't ascribe We're going to, to say, uh, <laughs> what are you afraid of moving forward with in your life? And exactly what toe was it? Because each toe will hold a different meaning. And then we go through that and we see that like, aha, uh -huh, we're getting nudged about something. So we look at everything symbolically, uh -huh. which some people will say, that's crazy to dissect everything that way. But actually it's not because it lends for a more meaningful existence where everything has a reason to it the good things, the bad things, and even the things you think that are um, incidental. If you look at it, everything has a purpose. Everything. There isn't something that's just, you know, mute. Everything has a purpose. And about, as far as linking into psychic ability, there's a fascinating story about Alex March. He's very, very popular uh, on Instagram. 
She's a tattooist and she's also an empath. And now Alex doesn't tattoo anymore because she found that when she was tattooing people, she would start to connect in with their, their energy body, the subtle bodies and spirit would start to come through to her and she would pick up things, which wow, really threw her because she was not expecting to have that type of an occurrence. But when you're piercing somebody's body, you're also piercing the aura. And some people will say, oh, what's an aura? We all have an energy field around us. And just because we can't see it does not mean it's not there because you're aware of it when you get a weird feeling when you walk into some place and you're like, I don't know if I like here, I want to leave. That's your energy field telling you. It's sort of your personal GPS. Well, anyway, when you get tattooed, you're piercing the aura. And when you do that, you're putting it a portal. And these portals take in energy and they let energy out. And because Alex herself is an empath, it was very easy for her to connect into the spiritual realms. Damon has told me a story about when someone was sitting in his chair getting tattooed. He act, the, the gentleman getting the tattoo actually zoned out and went into a past life during the process. So a lot of things can happen if you approach it with the right mindset and you're going to say, hey, I'm dealing with a shaman. I'm getting my tattoo. Even if the guy looks like a biker, he's your shaman for the day. And you feel the pain. You have an awareness of the body placement. You are very much aware of the symbol you're getting. And you start to really get into the experience. That's when you're going to get the most out of it. And it's very healing. It's very revealing. Some people have uh, weird, uh, I guess you could say dreams or an emotional roller coaster sort of thing that goes on maybe a week or two after they get a tattoo. And that's due to moving all of the stored emotional energy. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a moderate, so I'm an open-minded skeptic about certain things. And so a lot of the stuff, when you, when, you, when you kind of like believe the paradigm, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to go on record as saying, I don't believe if you stub your toe that everything has meaning. I think people are klutzes. I think I'm on top of that list of world-renowned klutzes. So I'm going to differ with you on that. But I think the moderate take on this, there, there might be something to this because, as you meant, you know, color has, color has an energy um, wavelength. Symbols have an energy, and I think it, it's been proven that our bodies have subtle energies and large energy and magnetic fields. So it is not beyond the realm of both scientific and rational sense that this could interfere, affect uh, that field in some way. And what, what I think is kind of interesting is that if there are actual like benefits from this or actually effects from that that you can that you can definitely say like, oh, before this didn't happen and then after this 100% happened. I think that that's very important. And I think that that is really the quintessential piece to all of this is that people are really having these experiences. Let's talk about, um, I want to talk about some, something, just go off, not off topic for a second. Let's just take a little side street because I want, to, I want to ask about these things first before we get too far along. What about bad tattoos or facial tattoos or like prison tattoos. Uh, you know, like if you get teardrops on your face or even like Mike Tyson, that's one of my favorite tattoos is Mike Tyson has this tribal tattoo on his face. What, what goes on in the face? Is this, you know, cause it's kind of what we show the world. So to the outside world, you know, that immediately deems you unemployable by having a tattoo on your face. Um, but is there other meaning to that? Well, a lot of tattooists that I, I talk to, they don't really like to tattoo someone's face. If someone wants it, they'll do it. You know, but they're very conscious too because they know they're going to be the artist and the tattooist who is associated with that person's tattoo. So you have to find somebody that wants to do it. Don't ever make a tattooist put something on you that they don't like because their energy is going into it. They don't like it. And chances are you're not going to like it either. Mike Tyson's tattoo, I feel that was his own personal journey. That could have been very symbolic of something in him, maybe from a past life, something he wanted to show the world. Also, his tattoo started up a big controversy in the tattoo world because I believe it was in the movie, um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue now, somebody copied it. Uh, the Hangover? The Hangover, that's it, thank you. The Hangover, which there was a whole big thing now because after I put a few tattoo pictures in my book, I found out that I had to find get permission from the artist who created the tattoo because right, now a lot of people are starting to impose copyright laws on mm -hmm. the art. So it comes down to who owns the tattoo, the artist or the person wearing it. So, you know, um, I feel that tattoo was his personal choice. 
if he's comfortable with it, we're supposed to be at a point right now in our evolution spiritually where it's not about judgment. We're supposed to look at it as like, what does that say? What is What archetype is he trying to project? Is he the warrior? Mm-hmm. Is this a past life? As far as prison tattoos, a lot of that too, those tattoos are really given against somebody's personal choice. It's like you must get that tattoo to be part of this group or you're going to get beat up. So uh, I believe in Chapter 7, there is a gentleman in uh, Maryland who did a GoFundMe where he would actually, people who had these type of tattoos, gang tattoos or prison tattoos, where he would either remove them or if they couldn't be removed, he would change the symbol, change the design to have a, a different type of a meaning because these people did not really want to get it. They felt sort of forced to get it. And that brings us back to conscious ink. Consciously get your tattoo. Don't get it because your friend got one and you you feel you have to get it. You have to feel like you really want this. Some people don't want it. Well, and I think that that's really important because that's the intention part of this. And the other cool part that that you mentioned that I like is the shamanistic aspect. You know, it's kind of like being blood brothers, uh, you know, blood ritual. And there's also alchemy involved in here as well. Like in the book, you talk about just the mixing of the ink, what goes into the ink. Uh, and that's getting put into your body. That is a chemical reaction. So there's something going on there. Um, I found that to be to be fascinating. So now let's talk about some of the basic parts that I mentioned earlier, the attributes. So you mentioned color briefly. What about placement? Um, what are the places, just some general places on the body, the main places people get tattoos and what they mean? Um, but first, before you tackle that, I want to. I thought about this this morning. If you were to get you know, a tattoo of the all-seeing eye, uh, you know, over your psyche, in the middle of your forehead where your third eye metaphorically is, would that increase psychic ability or is that just bananas? Or is it the most brilliant thing you've ever heard? It's one of those things. I I know people that have actually (laughs) got that. Um, And and some people even get it on the inside of the palm of their hand. Hmm, Some people, if your intention, some people want it for protection. It's It's your intention for getting it. Uh, if you get that symbol and you have your intention and you have researched the meaning of the symbol and you know what it's about, then you get the full use of of that symbol. It's just like if you have an app on your phone, but you don't know what it does and you don't really use it, it just sits there. Mm-hmm. So what it does is your intention on how you want to use it is what actually empowers it. If people who buy crystals, they'll go in a store and they'll buy a certain crystal, but then they'll go home and they'll make it their personal crystal. They'll energize it in the sun. They'll hold it in their hands so their energy gets into it. So it's almost an activation process of why are you getting the symbol? Why do you want it there? And what do you think you're going to achieve by having the symbol there? That's really interesting. So you have to, you can get any symbol. So you're saying that it doesn't necessarily have any intrinsic value. You have to activate it with intention first? Yes, but there are some symbols that you need to be careful with. Some are the seals of Solomon. The ancient symbols have a very precise meaning. And when you put these certain shapes together, they do have a certain power. So that's uh, also put in the book. Always research your symbol. Know what you're getting. And don't just get it because you think it's cool, because that symbol could also attract a lot of bad juju your way, too, if you don't know what you're playing with, just as with a Ouija board. You know, some people think, oh, we're going to have some fun, and they may have a very horrible experience with that Ouija board. Then there are other people who respect the board and know how to use it and know when to call it quits with the board. Their experience is different. Same thing with the tarot cards. If you get the tarot cards, but you just get them because you just want to have them, but you don't really understand the meaning, the symbols, and how to use them, they're pretty much worthless. So you need to research anything, especially that has any type of occult, or mystical element to it. It's Uh very powerful. No, I I believe that. I think that that's really important. And I want to get into some of that because those are the types of symbols I want to lay out in my my personal blueprint Um, because I want to – I basically want to create um, a mystical tableau that's both for protection and for enhancement of psychic abilities. And I think starting with that, let's talk about the places on the body that are the most powerful or even the ones that are most used. Um, what, where would those be? Well, uh, a lot of the people, people will come in with uh, a certain symbol they want. Say, for example, they want a Mandela because they're very powerful in themselves. Well, your tattoo artist is going to say, well, if you want it big, we're going to have to go to a certain part of your body that 
can mm-hmm, support right. this. You know, you need the right type of canvas. So the thing is, the most popular places people usually start out with the top of their arm or their back or the calf of their leg, which is interesting because the legs are where we find our support. Our arms are where we find our strength. So when you start out there, then they start to evolve. The, the back, uh, certain sections of the back could be where we carry our burdens. It also um, brings a lot about past life, the back, um, the fingers, are, and the, the wrist are how we embrace life. So when you start to know these different health, and anybody who is a body worker, a massage therapist, a Reiki practitioner, or anyone who deals with body work, they know what parts of your body hold certain energies. So when you put a symbol there, are you inviting a certain energy into that? Or are you waking up an inner archetype? Or are you trying to get more strength in that area? So when you understand, I go all through this in chapter two about the parts of the body and where they hold energy, you might be more conscious about the symbol that you want there. Now, sometimes a symbol that you may want may only work on a certain part of your body because you need the space for it. But then use the intention of color, the vibration that you're going to pull in. And once again, it comes back to intention. Why do you want it? What does it mean to you? Even the crazy little um, silly tattoos that people get, say, of Mickey Mouse is very meaningful. You know, Mickey Mouse, what's the archetype of Mickey Mouse? You know, he's the hero. It's the hero's journey. Um, He's also very symbolic of um, maybe your lighter side in life. You show people your silly side. Maybe it's the shadow. Sometimes people are very comfortable wearing their shadow. And the shadow side of the personality is not necessarily bad or dark. It's just a side that you don't always project out to other people. You know, so it's about integrating both the light and the dark, and you're doing it with symbols. And you're not afraid to wear them because, once again, it's not about judgment. You know, now there are so many people with tattoos. I didn't even realize that. I mean, I'll go to the grocery store, and there's moms pushing babies in the cart that have tattoos. The babies have tattoos? No, not yet, but the moms do. Oh, the moms. Oh, okay. I think <laughs> you know? the babies were running around like no. tattooed to the bejesus. Look, they used them back in ancient Egypt when they dug up some mommies. They found that these women had certain symbols on their abdomen, and they have researched it to find that it was, um, some of them were to protect during childbirth. Some were fertili- for fertility. The Iceman, when they dug him up, um, there was a whole big show, I believe, on Discovery about him. He had tattoo marks up and down uh, certain parts of his body that related to certain acupuncture points. And they also felt that he probably had some type of arthritis. And he knew by you know, putting pressure on these certain points, he could relieve the pain. Modico- modern medical is using tattoos now. You know, People go in for a certain type of... Um, radiation therapies, and they'll mark the parts of the body with the tattoo so they can do the pinpoint radiation. Also, there's a tattoo for people who are diabetic. I believe they did some research that if the tattoo will change color, it means it's time for more insulin. So they're starting to even use tattoos in a more or less commercial medical realm also. That's pretty crazy. We touched on a couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, with, with tattoos, I remember in, when I was in high school, uh, there was a guy, Looney Tunes were very popular. And this guy on the basketball team got the Tasmanian devil on his shoulder. And he's, you know, 17, 18 at the time. And I remember, obviously, you couldn't have that when you played basketball, so I always had to cover it up. But I always felt like that was, you know, I'm going to judge here. I apologize for doing that. But it felt like a silly tattoo to get because when you're in your 40s or 50s, you're not going to want the Tasmanian devil on your shoulder anymore. Um, so, and I know you mentioned the books with some of the things like with, with Mickey, that it's kind of like your animal totem, which is another kind of interesting way to look at it. Right. Um, but this guy, he wasn't very fun loving. He wasn't like one of those like fun guys. So having like a cartoon character, I don't know what he was trying to portray there, but what about people who do things like that and then want them removed later on? Uh, is there still like a, a mystical side to getting the Tasmanian devil on your shoulder? Well, on on the level of consciousness, whatever you do, because you are basically scarring the body, you know, and scarification, that's a whole other realm. They they do that in some cultures, too. They find a lot of power in that. You can have the tattoo removed from the physical body, but it's filed away in your consciousness. So what some people do is they'll go and they'll have maybe some deep tissue massage, some Reiki work to whatever energy is held there to kind of move it along, neutralize that area, because you can't destroy the memory or the energy, but you can sort of neutralize it. Or if you don't want to go through the process of having it removed, 
there are some tattooists that will transform that tattoo because as we change, you know, the tattoo may want to evolve and the Tasmanian devil could have evolved into some other type of a symbol that had meaning for him at that time of in, in his life, or maybe he likes it. It's a, a marker in his own personal journey through life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, maybe the guy's a, an accountant right now, you know, <laughs> very mild. It could be, yeah, and he just likes to spin around in circles yeah, every night. Yeah, remembers his wild days. Right, right. Now, what about people who tattoo makeup on their face? I know I'm trying to poke holes in your mystical argument here, and you're doing a great job of of going left and right. But what, there's got to be some tattoos that don't mean anything. And I feel like when it comes to makeup tattoos, that's the one that doesn't mean anything. Well, some women want to get their eyebrows tattooed or they want to you know, get the eyeliner put on. For them, it's meaningful because they feel that they are adding beauty into their life. You know, For them, it's a personal thing. It's like they're adding beauty and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you want to look good and you feel that makes you look good. So it's meaningful to them, you know. Well, it definitely saves time. It's very convenient to have an eyeliner put on that you don't have to do every day. Exactly. But they're not thinking about when they're 80 and it's kind of wrinkled. But um, (laughs) it's time for a touch up. But if it makes them feel good and they're doing it because they want to add beauty into their life and they want to look good, bravo. You know, go for it. Yeah. If it feels good, do it. As um, the guy from Demon said. Uh, so now let's, let's talk about some of the symbols that you mentioned, because this is where I think it gets really fun when you start talking about some of the sacred geometry and you mentioned mandalas. And as I was going through the book, I was looking up some of these things that I just was like, holy cow, these are really cool symbols. And there's a lot of power to them. You know, those, the Nautilus shells, one, uh, the Metatron's cube, which I'd never heard of before. Um, the tree of life. These are all really cool symbols. Can you explain them a little bit and the power behind them? Well, these symbols are, they go way back, you know, they have very ancient origins, even the swastika, which we now associate with, you know, Nazis and being yeah, that bad. That's not that's fair, actually, dude, because that is such an important symbol. It and is. Nazis killed it. Yeah, they did. See, they gave it a different meaning. And then all of a sudden, you know, we just right away associate it. But if we kind of get past that, and look, well, really, what did that symbol mean? You know, a lot of these symbols, especially the sacred geometry that's very popular now in getting tattoos, a lot of people want to embody the sacred geometry because it gives off a certain vibration. And they feel that by by having these symbols, it's very meaningful to them. It's a form of self-empowerment. And also, um, once again, all of these symbols, you know, we all have these inner archetypes, whether we, you know, consciously recognize them or not. You know, they say each one of us at any one time can possess 12 different archetypes, there's always one alpha that we project most of the time, maybe one that needs a little bit more of a voice will come out in your tattoo. You know, so these, even though these symbols are sacred geometry, at their root, like what archetype is speaking, what inside of you needs a voice that you're really not expressing every day? Uh, What I did with the symbols instead of just, I could have did a whole book on symbols, but of course you have to limit it. So I figured, let's say, I'm going to break them into the elements, fire, air, earth, water, and ether, because basically that's what we are composed of. We are stardust, you know? Mm, So, uh, you know, if you're a person who maybe is overly emotional and you want to be more grounded, then I would suggest to somebody, then look at the symbols under the earth section. What are symbols that relate to earth? And by putting the symbol in, you're adding more grounding energy into you. Basically, sometimes when I work with somebody who is asking me about a tattoo, I'll put up their astrology chart and I may see, wow, they have a, a predominance of, let's say, you know, fire and earth, but they don't have any, you know, air or water elements. So maybe we can kind of balance them out a little bit if we can come up with a symbol that will maybe start to, you know, enliven those energies within them. And it sort of works out. You can add to what you already have. You know, or something, Mm -hmm. if you have too much of something, you could quiet it down by adding something else that would maybe be counter that. And it's a more interesting way of looking at symbols. And when I researched the book, wow, I didn't know there were so many different types of dragons, which are very popular tattoos. (laughs) There's fire dragons, water dragons, air dragons, earth dragons. Then there's also the Polynesian dragons, which have a different meaning than just say maybe the the dragons that you're going to get when you walk into a shop and you look at the flash art on the wall. So always, always research your symbol. And clearly because you're not a D&D player because there are tons of dragons in, in the world of role-playing. 
Uh, it's yes. actually pretty incredible. There's because there's fantasy dragons. You got the medieval dragons, like you mentioned, Polynesian, China is big in dragons. There's it's crazy actually how many and dragons. The Celtic there are. dragons, yeah. yeah. And these are and and that's what's kind of cool is these are all very cultural because we're talking about the Celtic, like the Celtic knot has you know very specific meanings, and I found that to be kind of fascinating. Um, so, so the symbology, you're right. It's, it's really, you know, you could write a whole book on that. I, I just found some of this stuff just incredible. Now let's talk and about the sigils too. Sigils are, yes, are, are let's very, talk about that. In, are interesting tattoos. A sigil would be, uh, a very, very personal type of tattoo. You may write down, just say something that you really would, you know, want to add to your life and you have to be careful. You don't, don't pick a sigil just for the moment because you don't want to tattoo that. Just think of something that for your whole life, you really want to encompass this certain uh, potential in the sigil. Well, you would write out what you want, and then the process of crossing out all the repeating, it's the whole thing. You could, they can Google sigil and how to make a sigil because this is a whole other realm. And then you take the letters that are left and you mix them up into a certain shape, and then you can place it on your body. And there are a lot of people that have sigil tattoos, which you look at it and you think, hmm, what's that mean? And it's a very personal type of a tattoo. And rest assured, nobody else has your tattoo. You have an original tattoo, but they're very powerful. They have a very magical element to them. And people have to remember, we are very creative beings. We're very magical beings, and we have the ability to create. It's just that we've been told that we have limits. You really don't, but you just have to be responsible with your limits. <laughs> be responsible you know? with your limits. Yeah. You learn nothing else from this conversation. Yeah. Be responsible with your limits. Yeah. Now, are there any like more universal sigils that people can? Because obviously, these are person. The ones you mentioned are personal. It's a whole process. But there are are there more you know well known ones that are very powerful and magical that people would be into. Uh, a lot of people like the different Celtic symbols because it represents a lot to them, and it's you know. Some of it has a very, they research, they find out that these Celtic symbols are very mystical, you know, more than just saying that you're a fan of Ireland. Uh, the, the Celtic tattoos are very popular. Also, the infinity symbol, that was popular for a while. Uh, a lot of people wanted the semicolon for, you know, life interrupted. The suicide awareness. Yeah, for oh, suicide know. awareness. You know, there's certain trends that people go through to so, show their supporting of a group. Another symbol that's popular which I also mentioned in the book, a lot of people will get a ribbon to show, you know, support for someone they know who has gone through cancer or possibly passed through cancer. Although when I was researching the book, there is this one woman, a group of women wanted to get the cancer ribbon tattooed on in support of a friend that was going through cancer. The one woman didn't want to do it only because she felt that that she would embody the meaning of that symbol and she would have so much an awareness of cancer. She had a fear of co-creating that in her own life. So she kind of pulled away from it, which you have to respect her because that's how she felt. You know, wasn't she wasn't supportive of her friend, but it was her personal choice to not want to embody that symbol. Now, that doesn't mean if you have a cancer ribbon, you're going to get tattooed because once again, it's your intention. And this woman's intention was that if she gets it, she may co-create it in her life. So you have to respect that that's your freedom of choice. And we are co-creators. What we think we create somewhere down the line, it may not happen tomorrow, but somewhere along the line, we're living the life we have already created for ourselves. So the same thing with the symbol. Symbols are very, very powerful. Hmm. And, and also the colors of the symbols. Like there's, you have a whole chapter about colors themselves. Let's talk about that a little bit. I know there's, there's a lot to this. But you mentioned red earlier. Um, but what about some of the other colors? What, what are they kind of used for and what do they emphasize or what, are they, what can you kind of channel through color? A lot of the, the purples and the violets have to do with your psychic ability. Blue is very calming. Green is very healing. Um, yellow is for awareness. It also helps you better with your communication. Black is not a bad color. Black is an insulator. Black, you see a lot of black tattoos because, of course, they, they show up nicely on the skin, too. Um, black is also an, in, it's an insulator. It gives a lot of power and a lot of balance to the symbol that you're, you're wearing. Um, white, and white doesn't hold up that well, but, you know, white is also just for purity of thought. So if you go through all the colors that I mentioned, you'll find that they also resonate with the certain chakras and the energy zones of your body. So when you start to thread it together you can really create a very 
powerful tattoo for yourself. By powerful, I mean where you feel good and it does something for you. And it looks pretty cool too, which is a very important looks, aspect. You need a good artist. Right, right. The tattooist is more important than you know. <laughs> no, very true. Now, let's go down a boring path really quickly because you mentioned that. I wanted to, you mentioned something earlier I wanted to touch on. Who owns the copyright? Now, I got to say, I just want to go on record as saying if, if you make something and there isn't a, any kind of deal in place, like any kind of contract, if someone pays you for that symbol, then that person owns that, right? The client owns it. If I pay someone That's to do. That's what I thought. Yeah, like if I yeah. pay someone to do. Um, uh, like a theme song, like I've got theme song for some of my shows. I've paid them for the rights to that. Like I technically own it, and I've paid them for it, even though you have to give them credit or whatever. Um, so I'm actually surprised that that's like a whole like thing. Oh yeah, and I found that out like almost towards the end of the book, where I had to like scramble to have people go remember your artist, find out where they are, oh, wow. <laughs> and get them to sign a release. I feel that the gray area more or less is if you're going to use it for commercial sure. purposes. Yep. So use. say you have a great tattoo somebody did for you and then you decide you're going to put out uh, a CD and you want to use your tattoo on the cover of the CD. Then right. in the legal sense, yes, your tattooist should give you some type of permission to use the symbol. It's like, are they entitled to any type of royalties? Probably not because you're already, already paid your set fee for right. that. Mm -hmm. But it should be understood now there, I guess, because so many people have tattoos, you know, the legal system had to get involved now also. <laughs> but I was surprised. And wow, that was not a good thing to find out like a week and a half before your book is due. <laughs> right. <you know>? yeah. <laughs> and some people were like, I'm not sure if they're still alive. It's like, please find the shop. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure you want to get into that legal yeah. quagmire before your book comes Go out. Go get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, I just did, I did find it interesting. Uh, so now let's talk about, you mentioned the archetypes and the shadow. Uh, what's kind of cool is you mentioned that in the book each, you know, this is kind of Carl Jungian philosophy, but I think it bodes very well. It's very apropos here that you have the archetype and then you have the shadow of that archetype. So, for example, you know, you have the hero and the weakling or I'm sorry, the hero and the insolent, the sage and the critic, the innocent and the weakling. And those are both essentially opposites. Um, how can that is that kind of like the um, comedy and drama picture, you know, like when you when you see that as a tattoo? Um, can you can you encompass both or are you encompassing one or the other? You encompass both because as an astrologer, I know when someone says, for example, they're an Aries, well, their opposite sign is Libra. So which means the underbelly of the Aries is always the Libra, although they're projecting the sun, you know, the sun sign, the Aries. But when you look underneath, they really have a lot of the temperament of their underbelly, which is the sign opposite them, the Libra. So this, the same thing, someone who goes around and wants to be the big warrior, the, the person who's going to fight everybody, you know, the underbelly of them is, is the opposite. And sometimes they can't express that, but maybe they don't know why, but they get a tattoo of something that really isn't, you wouldn't associate with the warrior, but more the opposite of the warrior. So it's a way of kind of bringing both sides together. And that's how you find wholeness. And I feel that we're all striving for that wholeness. You, we're trying to integrate, you know, everything, the left side, the right side of our brain, right. the shadow, the, the, you know, the light side of us. And when you find that integration, that's when you have wholeness and everything sort of just falls into place more easily for you. Well, and, and I think that that's, that's a great point because one of the things you mentioned is kind of in the native traditions, the, the, there's a real understanding of the interconnectivity of all things. And you talk about the dream catcher, which is, you know, about that as well. I think that that's kind of where, uh, to me, when it comes to symbology, uh, that is perfection. The, the ability to live in your own environment without screwing it up. Um, and I think that that's really important, uh, kind of with all of this, because essentially what you're saying is all this symbology you're putting on your body connects you not only with this current moment in time, but it's your life's journey. And as you've mentioned, it's your previous life's journey. So you're kind of documenting it in symbols. And I got to say, I think that that is the quint I think that that is the peak, the apex of symbology is understanding the interconnectivity of all things. What do you think? Yes, about that? The, the Dakota have a word for that, and it's called metakwiasen. Mm -hmm. I was almost going to say that metakwiasen. Yeah, metakwiasen. You took the word We're, we're all connected. And earlier, when you said about oh, if you stub your toe, you think you're just a klutz, but energetically, it's like what your energy field is so like discombobulated that you're clumsy you know as a reiki <laughs> practitioner i would sit you down it's like where yeah something's off here come on let's let's figure yeah. this out <laughs> yeah. you know uh, i i noticed uh there was a certain person whenever they would 
come over to visit, I could always tell when they were five minutes away, it was weird. Whatever was, was in my hand, I would drop. I would know like they'll be here in five minutes. And yeah, when they, I would spend time with them, I'd find that I was, they were up and down and sitting and walking around like just, they couldn't sit still and their energy actually affected my energy. And there we are with that. Everything's connected. Everything. Mm-hmm. The thing, and the thing is when you live consciously, you know, you are in the moment and you have an awareness of everything and that's empowering. We're just not going through on automatic pilot and missing so much. You know, a lot of people say, Hey, I was riding down the highway and I noticed a billboard that said such and such, and it related to something that happened. Well, that's that eureka moment where you, yeah, you're aware everything is connected, but you have to be attentive and live consciously. I think that that's, you know, I think that that's very accurate. And I would also want to mention that speaking of interconnectivity, um, people call me the analytical mastermind. And what's interesting is while I was reading this, my sign is a Gemini, which is ruled by Mercury, which is the symbol for analytical thought. Boom, nailed it. Also, the color yellow is is the color for analytical thought. So should I get a large yellow Gemini slash Mercury tattoo on the middle of my chest? Or is it already there? You already have this. And in, in, since you relate to it, and um, I would get it. If you're feeling that, I think that would be great because you resonate with that. In the middle <laughs> of your chest is near your heart chakra. So sure. it's something close to your heart to be, you know, very analytical. Yeah. And uh, to embrace Mercury, the messenger, you have a message, probably a writer in a prior incarnation. So it's about, you know, getting all of these type of abstract cool thoughts out there and to get people thinking that's what you want to do you you want to inspire people to think outside of the box and to be open to different things and not judge them and say that's weird i'm not interested but more like everything has a possibility it may not be exactly for you but at least honor the fact that it could be a possibility for somebody else that's what makes life interesting because you don't have these limits Mm mm-hmm no, I, I totally agree. And and I think that that's so, – no, let's talk – since we're talking about me, let's just talk about me for one second here. Um, I want to get back to this idea of, of a canvas for me. So if I'm looking for protective symbols against maybe evil intentions, uh, things like that, what would be a good symbol to get? Where should I place it and what color should it be? This is essentially the quiz at the end of the lecture. Okay. So a very protective symbol for you. Okay, so I would get something black because black is an insulator and I feel that that's very protective in itself. People associate it with bad, but it's not. It's It can be good. I would get it on the back of the neck because it's you can see what's in front of you, but sometimes you don't always have vision of what's behind you. So it gives you an awareness of what's in front and what's behind. And I wouldn't necessarily go, I mean, you could go with the all-seeing eye, but I think I would sit down with you and say, okay, so you want to feel something more protective. So fire is very protective in that it can keep people away. And it also has the value of transforming things. So maybe I would get a small black Phoenix, you know, or a small, something very protective. Maybe, um, it doesn't even have to be an animal. You could even find a symbol. You could research a, a protective symbol, maybe from the Norse ruins or something that you resonate with. Is there a time period in life that you really feel that you maybe had a prior incarnation in, if, if you think back? or you mean? Oh, you mean like in history? Yeah. You know, I, I for some reason, in the past probably year and a half, uh, anyone who's listening to the, to the show knows this, I've had a fascination with the Wild West. Uh, so I don't know if that's anything, but since you're asking, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Oh, okay. So if you had a fascination a with six it, shooter, it, a six-shooter, a, a Sam, Sam, uh, Smith & Wesson, is that what you're saying? Black Smith & Wesson? You, you can get a tiny Black Smith & Wesson, and you know you just feel like that's protection. Some people say, oh, it's gun, gun control. Who cares? You like it. You know what it really means. You had the intention for it. Uh-huh. You know, or you could... Um, or even make some type of a personal little sigil. You could write out an intention for protection, and then we're just going to move these symbols around to something very personal for you or something else that would represent protection in the wild, wild west. It could even be a, a black cowboy hat, mm-hmm. something really cool. Yeah. Or you can look at the alchemy symbol for uh, something that you would feel is a very protective type of a Smith & Wesson. Well, it's 
let's take it down a little bit. Like what's it made out of? You know, what's what's the metal element? And then get the alchemy symbol for that element for and like just have that. Like sulfur you mean? Something like that? Something or lead like that. from a bullet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Get Oh, my God, yeah. Then get the alchemy symbols in black. And there's your Smith & Wesson. And it's not obviously a gun. You know right. what it is. And it's the element of the gun for protection. That's pretty cool. I got to tell you, I could go down a whole rabbit hole because what I'd love to do is very similar to what they did in like Prison Break um, and have like a whole body of like all this type of powerful magical symbols um, to increase ability, psychic ability and protection. I think that that would be amazing. Uh, I could talk about this for hours. I love this process. This and is And you great. could do it. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do it. I need a little help, but I love oh, the idea. Damon Rowanchild. He, he is a mystical tattooist who, wow. Uh, go to Canada and have them tattoo you. I'm sure there are other tattooists that do this, but maybe they're not as mainstream or they don't advertise it as much. But when you talk to them, yeah, they're shamans. They they totally, you know, ascribe to that. Yes, you know, this is our ritual and it's very important to us, just like it's important to you. And we're going to sit down and we're going to create. And you just look at the great masters who paint it. When you look at their paintings. You can almost feel their energy in what they paint it, you know, and the same thing when you get a tattoo, you can feel the energy of your artist in that tattoo also. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really important and a great segue. I'm not going to lie, because there's a lot of tattoo styles. You mentioned one earlier, which was um, Jerry Collins. Say, I'm sorry, Norman Collins. I call him Sailor Jerry, and he kind Sailor of Jerry. Um, he kind of did the, the, the he's kind of perfected the American style. How would you describe that? The American style was, uh, you know, he was tattooing sailors, and he was very influenced by the Polynesian tattooists at the time, you know, in, in the South Pacific. But their symbols were very sacred to them, and they, they really had deep meaning. They got the idea that, hey, you could put something on somebody. So basically what he had was, I guess you could say, a little bit of um, a speakeasy for sailors to come in, and he tattooed them with symbols that they could understand. Like, I think the pig was very popular for sailors, and the anchor, of course, and and the heart with mom. And then when the sailors came home, you know, people were, it started to grow in popularity. Then the whole subculture kind of came together where beatniks were getting the tattoos. And it went through the whole evolution of the tattooing process, which I think is bringing us back to the beginning. You know how everything always comes full circle. And now a lot of people that I talk to that are getting tattoos are really into going for the whole experience where, like I mentioned in chapter three, they want to sit down with somebody and have the mini shamanic journey and have the mini tarot reading or astrology reading and sit down and really come up with a cool symbol. Yeah. You like know? we did. Like, like we just yeah. did. Yeah. Like, and like it's going to look good. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a fun process and you're getting the thing that you want and you're kind of, when you're in, kind of imbuing it with meaning that's important to you, intention that we talked about. Uh, if nothing else, it's an extremely fun process. And on the other end, um, it's it can be an extremely mystical, magical, shamanistic thing to go down. Um, this is an incredible concept, Lisa. I'm really glad that you're jumping into this because I don't really think anyone's kind of exploring this topic. No, it was hard to research because there aren't any books on this. Yeah. <laughs> They're either picture books or history books. So I had to really go in a scavenger hunt and talk to so many tattooists until I found the ones that really clicked in with, with what I was trying to get at. I'm trying to incorporate body work, mysticism, symbolism, and the very popular modality of healing with tattoos into one book. <laughs> I'll do 200 pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have made it a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's very digestible now. I'm glad you wrote this book. You're the only one doing it. And the book we're talking about is Conscious Inc. Um, where can people find you to learn more about this, to get your book, um, find more about you? They can go to my website, which is Lisa Beretta with two R's and two T's, dot com. And my page will come up with different things that I've been involved in. I have a Facebook page for Conscious Inc., The Hidden Meaning of Tattoos. I have a Facebook page for my other book, The Book of Transformation, and I also have a Facebook page for The Street Smart Psychic's Guide to Getting a Good Reading. So any one of those pages or my website is where they can reach me or read more about what I do. And you're on Twitter as well, right? Yes, I'm on Twitter. The Street Smart Psychic 
yeah, yeah, I think it's called Street Psychic. <laughs> well, I'm going to have yeah. links to all the stuff on the page. I'll make it really easy for everyone. Um, yeah. Lisa, I want to thank you so much for talking to me about this. Thank you. It's uh, been incredible, enlightening, and I think maybe if I put, if I end up getting this tattoo, I'll put a picture up. I'll give you credit, although I'll own the copyright, but I do want to thank you in advance for that. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. Follow the show on social media. I think that's where you're going to find a lot of interactivity, which is what the world likes today. And you can find all those links on fascinatingnouns.com. Scroll to the bottom, find links to the show's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, all at the bottom of the Fascinating Nouns webpage. And if you like this show, I'm going to recommend another one that I do called Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. I got a panel of experts, some who've been on the show before. Uh, We take pop culture technology and we discuss how we could make it in real life. Uh, Great stuff. We got rocket scientists, biologists, physicists, um, you know. It's just in a great show, so check that out, www.ftriplegbt.com. And, of course, you can subscribe to both of the shows on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, of course, and TuneIn, brand new to TuneIn. So check it out there. And if you like the show, you can subscribe to the newsletter on fascinatingnouns.com. And if you like all the stuff that I do, go to danieljglenn.com to find out what else I'm up to, what's going on in the lab. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. End of transmission.